Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525. I can't believe I left off my list of people elevated to jobs they don't deserve simply because they check some intersectionality box. I can't believe I left off Corinne Jean-Pierre. I got our uh, dude masquerading as a woman as the first four-star female admiral. I got the luggage lifter, Sam Brinton. I got, of course, Vice President Kamala Harris. But Corinne Jean-Pierre certainly answers to that. I'm going to replay the rapid-fire Peter Ducey corinne Jean-Pierre exchange the other day because, you know, her job is supposed to be the liar-in-chief. That was uh, Jen Psaki's job, Little Red Lying Hood. They're supposed to, like, come up with a plausible reason why they're doing something or at least stall and not say something that's blatantly wrong. But it struck me that there was something in one of KJP's responses to Peter Ducey that I should have commented on at the time that I did not. I think the message from is get the shot if you want. Oh, wait a minute. That's Harold Ford. That's Harold Ford with his seventh booster shot. Sorry, that was the uh, cut next to Peter Ducey and Corinne Jean-Pierre. The Secret Service is paying $16,000 a month now to stage near Hunter Biden in Malibu. Who's paying for that? That's a question for the Secret Service. Okay. Hunter Biden is reportedly selling art to pay for his $15,800 a month rent in Malibu. How can you guarantee that people are not going to be buying this art to gain favor with the president? That is a question for Hunter Biden and his representatives. It's, it's a I, I know. Oh, I hear. I hear. The White House, we know I hear your question. One of the art question. buyers got a job from the Biden administration. Can you guarantee that there is no quid pro quo? I hear your question. I'm not going to get involved in this. That is a question for Hunter Biden's representatives. So, but we know that uh, from a Hunter Biden associate now that he sold the appearance of access to then Vice President Biden. Are you confident that he has stopped doing that? That is a question for Hunter Biden. There it is. There it is. That's a question for Hunter Biden. She didn't deny he was selling access. I knew there was something in there. I'm like, wait a second. By not answering that, by not saying, whoa, selling access. Why? I'm offended, Peter Ducey, that you would say she's selling access to the vice president. The vice president would never sell access. She goes, oh, that's a question for Hunter Biden. Sorry. Can't help you. Corinne Jean-Pierre back the microphone yesterday. When Jackie Heinrich, no, was it Jackie Heinrich? No, it was uh, Hillary Vaughn of Fox News, uh, had a question for her about women, fake women, transgender women, biological men, there is no other kind, playing women's sports. Now, keep in mind, the Biden administration has advocated for an expansion of Title IX to include men masquerading as women playing women's sports, being allowed in women's locker rooms. They have advocated for this. They have threatened to have Joe Biden sign it into law. That is their recommendation. Hence the question yesterday from Hillary Vaughn to Corinne Jean-Pierre. Corinne, um, question on the big election topic, transgender rights. 
Former Governor Nikki Haley and presidential candidate says, quote, the idea that we have biological boys playing in girls' sports, it is the women's issue of our time. Does the president agree that this is a women's rights issue? So we've talked about this many times. This is the Title IX uh, specifically. Uh, look, um, and again, we've talked about this multiple times. She's it's a so complicated bad. issue, and there are a wide range of views on this. Uh, the Department of Education proposed a rule, as you know, uh, that gives schools the flexibility to establish their own uh, athletics uh, policies. And so while establishing uh, guardrails, right, to, to prevent discrimination against transgender kids, and that is something that is in incredibly important uh, uh, that the president wants to make sure that we also uh, do that as well. So so I'm just not going to get ahead of that. As I said, there's a proposed rule uh, uh, for and uh, Title IX uh, on Title IX uh, that the Department of Education has laid out. So I'm just not going to get ahead of that as it relates to the Department of Education. I've never heard anybody so bad at a job. The uhs, the ums, the stumbles. They've actually charted their course on this. They've made clear what their position is on this. And now we're getting close to the election, and she knows it's an election loser for the Democrats. They can't move off of it because they'll lose the support of the LGBTQ lobby, which they only support because it gives them access to power and a voting block they have to have or they have no chance. So Hillary Vaughn comes back to it, citing the fact that, oh, by the way, Joe Biden has granddaughters. I don't know if he nuzzles them inappropriately. I don't know if he touches their hair, their face. Who knows? I don't know if he showers with them like he did his daughter. Maybe that's why he doesn't have a problem with his granddaughters at some future point being subjected to this kind of terrorization by men in locker rooms. Department of Education. Does he care that girls are allowed to compete in sports without just fear of injury? Does he think it's fair for girls to have to compete against biological males? I just answered the question. It is a complicated issue. It is truly a complicated issue. No, it's actually not. It's not a complicated issue at all. All you have to do is watch a biological man competing against a woman, bigger, stronger, faster dude, competing against women, and know it is wrong. It is absolutely, unequivocally, without question, wrong. And last year, the women's lacrosse coach at Oberlin College, a woman by the name of Kim Russell, saw this with her own eyes. She coaches a women's sport at a college where it's hard to be more woke than Oberlin, okay? Nevertheless, she saw Will Thomas, an average male college swimmer, annihilate the competition competing as Leah Thomas, competing as a woman. He's not a woman. He's a man. And so Kim Russell saw a social media post congratulating the runner-up in the freestyle race that fake woman Leah Thomas won. Congratulating the second place winner as congratulations, you should have been the winner. And Kim Russell, the lacrosse coach at Oberlin College, reposted that on her social media. One of her players saw her repost it, saw the posting, and turned her in to Oberlin's athletic director. And they called her in for a meeting. And they told her in the meeting that, and I quote, unfortunately, you fall into a category of people filled with hate. Because she retweeted a social media post 
affirming that biological women should not have to compete against biological men. She is labeled by her assistant athletic director as falling into a category of people filled with hate. Her next year, this past year, as women's lacrosse coach at Oberlin, has been filled with meetings and threats and a process she refers to in a short documentary by the Independent Women's Forum as a burning at the stake. As a burning at the stake. Here is Kim Russell telling part of her story. I was told that there was going to be now a meeting with my entire team, with the athletic director, with the Title IX director for our department, with the DEI person for our department, and with the Title IX and director of diversity inclusion for the entire college. In my memory, the room was dark. It was very dark energy. And I had prepared myself emotionally because I knew what was coming. Chairs were set up in a huge circle. I felt like I was burned at the stake. I felt like I was stoned and hanged all at the same time. It was what I would call the mob mentality where a few people on the team spoke about how much they were upset with what I posted and how how dare I post that. You know, everyone has their opinions, everyone has their beliefs, everyone has their views, that's that. But what the focus should be here isn't what the view is, it should be the impact that that caused. So that's hard to hear at the end. It's a player on the team saying that what the focus should be is not on what's fair and right, but on the impact of your tweet. So you're not allowed to stand up for fair competition for girls who you coach. You're not allowed to stand up for that because the impact of standing up for it might hurt the cause. So I'm fortunate in a lot of ways. Um, I've said before that I've uh, always been fortunate in that I was uh, raised by praying parents. I have uh, three daughters. They are blessed to have had uh, two sets of praying grandparents. Uh, My parents are gone. My wife's parents are uh, thankfully still with us, and they are phenomenal people. And my daughters benefit greatly uh, from their relationship with them. Um, I have to remember how fortunate I am when I read about uh, families much less fortunate. And uh, I'm reminded of a Bible verse that I read a long time ago that I was uh, somewhat mystified by. Uh, but I nevertheless uh, find it to be true. And that verse is uh, talking about punishing the sins of the fathers to the second, third, and fourth generation. In other words, a bad example at home begats a bad example in kids who then often emulate the bad example that they've been given, and it multiplies and magnifies as generations unfold. I think about that, and I have empathy for an array of people that we've talked about in the news recently 
We have a 15 and a 16-year-old who have been arrested in the carjacking and shooting, the cold-blooded, nonsensical shooting of Ohio State wrestler Sammy Sasso, a 15 and a 16-year-old. We have a 15-year-old who was murdered at Easton on Sunday by two 13-year-olds. We have a 19-year-old murdered at a Dairy Queen on Saturday afternoon. The person arrested is an 18-year-old. And I will miss my guess if the two suspects in the murder of the Good Samaritan hero at the AutoZone at Sankas and Lazelle, I will miss my guess if either one of those two suspects, if they are ever caught, were more than 20 years old at the time they murdered that Good Samaritan. I'm going to um, be surprised if any of the people who have been visiting this violence upon those who were victims of it had strong biological fathers at home. They might have had men who cared about them. It's not the same as having your real dad at home. And it sparked in my mind a text I received from a friend of mine this week uh, when I was talking about the proliferation of fatherlessness in Columbus and how our city officials never address it because they deem it to be racist if they dare tell people how to live and you know you know the drill and my friend wrote this he said the most difficult thing I've had to do as a dad and it's not even close is to teach my sons how to rein in control and harness for good their natural male aggression I shudder to think what it would have been like had my wife been left to manage that alone? He said, I know as a boy there was hardly a stronger motivation for my actions than wanting to ensure that my father was proud of and not embarrassed by me. And he notes, appropriately directed, inherent male aggression and ambition has resulted in some of the greatest achievements mankind has ever known. Undirected. And unchecked, it leads to nothing but disaster. And he is so right about that. We are not going to be able to severely diminish the crime that proliferates in our city, which is certainly in cases that we've talked about here recently, uh, most often committed by and committed against juveniles, if we do not shed our hesitance over advocating for strong family relationships, over advocating for truth, over taking whatever comes at us for saying true things. Back to the lacrosse coach at Oberlin. She's still the coach at Oberlin, but would you bet on her future employment? Would you bet that she'll have a pleasant existence? I have such admiration for her because it doesn't have to be just men who demonstrate courage in its finest form. This coach at Oberlin, she's a woman. She knows what a woman is. She knows what a man is. She knows the difference between men and women. It's increasingly unpopular to speak that truth, particularly 
in a place gripped by evil like Oberlin and its campus and too many of the people who go there. Uh, Here is the explanation that this coach by the name of Kim Russell gave for telling her story while she's still employed at Oberlin. Remember, she got in trouble for just reposting somebody's social media post about the unfairness of Will Thomas competing as Leah Thomas and taking an NCAA championship away from a female swimmer. I don't think she quite knew chapter and verse what was going to happen to her. I don't think she knew she was going to be called into the athletic director's office and being told by an assistant AD that you fall into a category of people filled with hate. I don't think she expected to be labeled, as she says in this piece on the Independent Women's Forum, I don't think she expected to be labeled a transphobe, as transgressive, or as unsafe. She's advocating to protect women from men. And she's taken a courageous stand. Here is her speaking to why she's doing it. I have had the opportunity because of the women who came before me to play at the highest level. There have already been athletes who've had awards taken away from them, opportunities taken away from them, opportunities to compete at a certain level because someone else got it who's a biological male. It is my job to be a voice for everyone who is too afraid, who needs to keep their job, who thinks they have to stay in line and tow whatever line that is, who is stuck in the mob and too afraid to rock the boat. Because if I don't speak out, who is going to speak? That's a really good question she asks. If she doesn't speak out, who will? She's been given a platform. So my question is to you, is have you been given a platform? And are you using it? Is there a better way you could use it? Is there something you could do to demonstrate that you have a line in your life where truth departs from the current trend, the current bent of the culture, and if you stay silent, you know it's not going to course correct and come back to normal and The misnomer is that you think you can dodge the consequences for not speaking. But the consequences are not just confined to the friendship you may lose or the job you may lose. The consequences are in being able to face yourself and know you did the right thing. 